Go deep, no sleep. All right, welcome to the Go Deep No Sleep podcast, a safe space where we embrace vulnerability and we dig deep into the psyche of the human brain. We have these conversations on camera so that way all of you, our lovely viewers and listeners, can um, hopefully do the same in your own lives. Now, mental health is a goal, but so is paying these bills. So please make sure you go visit the Go Deep No Sleep website. That's GoDeepNoSleep.com. Check out the merch store. Pick up that fly gear. We got some dope stuff that we're going to be adding there pretty soon. Um, so make sure you please do that. And you can listen to us on all streaming platforms. But make sure you go like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube so you don't miss out on all the fun to come. My name is Jazari, a.k.a. Jazzy. I am a poet, songwriter, one-fourth of the vocal group These Guys Worldwide. And I host this podcast, the Go Deep No Sleep podcast, alongside my co-host, the amazing, the incomparable. You've seen her on season five, RuPaul's Drag Race. You've also seen her All-Stars season two. <laughs> And you've also seen her in various clubs. Um, right now, you can catch her headlining uh, the Flamingo Hotel um, in RuPaul's Drag Race Live, doing, doing various tracks, because that's pretty dope. I just saw her do uh, Britney Spears. Yes, hashtag Black Britney. Black Britney, yeah. And shout-outs to your good friend, Derek Berry. Yeah, we but anyways, that. ladies and gentlemen, we have Coco Montrese. There you go. What's up, y'all? I'm here. I'm happy. Let's do this. Drinking? I am drinking a Tropicana Pina Colada Virgin. Oh, you know what? One second. Okay. And I'm drinking... <laughs> I'm drinking Crown Whiskey. I just poured myself a little, a little cup, a little glass because... You know, I forgot to do that before we started. So anyways, uh, today we're going to be talking about how our childhood atmosphere or environment in the home affects the way that we approach love in our adulthood. We're going to be exploring that. You know, obviously everyone knows that the childhood makes a big part of who you are, why you are, what you are, all of that good stuff. And so we just want to specifically... Uh, go into how does that affect the way that we love, the way that we communicate in love, what our love languages are, you know, how do we, how does that shit play a part? So we're going to get into that when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, it's Jazzy and Coco on the Go Deep No Sleep podcast. Go deep, no sleep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back with the Go Deep, No Sleep podcast. I got Jazzy, I got Coco, I got myself. I said I got myself. Yeah, you got yourself. I'm so used to us having guests. <laughs> so um, anyways, we're talking our childhoods. Um, everyone has one, right? Yes. I mean, I hope so. That's how you... And, you know, because it is such a important part of our development mm -hmm. there's no way that you can be an adult and not be affected by your childhood in some way to some maybe to varying degrees for everybody you know depending on where you are in your journey but everyone is to some extent a product of their childhood to a certain extent to some extent to some extent 
you know? To a certain extent, because yeah. people use it's that. It's change for everybody. Well, for, for everybody. Well, people take that sometimes and they use it and try to try to, As especially excuse, yeah, yeah, especially yeah. when you're um, when you're looking at uh, say now the fact that there can be two dads in a home and that kind of thing. People try to use that and say that that oh they're a product of their environment, so the kids are definitely going to turn out this way. Well, no one was saying that when. I grew up in a religious home. All, all, all I saw was everything was heterosexual, and that was not who I was. Right. And that was not a product of my environment. Right. That's just me being who I am. Exactly. It wasn't a choice. It wasn't a cha- change. Right. That was... Right. Nat- it was naturally who I was. Absolutely. So, so we can't... I mean, I, to a certain extent, we can say, you know... It yeah, it's a, it's a slippery slope to use that... To use that you know, all the way across the board because there's a lot of ways in which we got to put a hard no on that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but gay or straight, being Mm -hmm. a gay or straight child, um, you're going to have habits of your father. You're going to have habits of your mother. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you, if you're blessed to have both of them and if you only have one of them, you're, you're, you're going to have habits of both of them still anyway. Well, I grew up without my father mm -hmm. and when I met him, you Which found was at the age of twenty four, I'm more like him mm-hmm. than I am my mom. Oh yeah, there's a. I mean, there's that's a seed. It was a seed. Absolutely. So you can't get away from that. I mean, so this is not only like your childhood in the sense of like who raised you, but it's just also like, hey, genetics, and you know, it de- depends on you know what you believe in and how you believe, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your parents are going to be a part of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I believe, I mean, I believe something that's probably not going to be popular. Then people are not going to probably agree with me. Okay. But, what do you believe? But um, I believe that kids that grow up in a single parent home are, in a lot of cases, a lot better off than kids that grow up in a, um, a home with both parents. Mm. I believe that. Better off how? Um, okay, for ex- for example, for me, I grew up in a um, a very loving heterosexual home. It gave me a false sense of believing that um, everything everything in life would be a fairy tale, and that I would I would boom fall in love the way they fell in love. Everything that I saw in I wanted to mimic everything that I saw within my parents so life. So let's pause right there. What you're saying is it created an expectation. Yeah. And if uh, under false pretenses because everybody doesn't should, everything doesn't work out the same for everybody. Not to mention you don't really know. I mean maybe you do, but there's so for instance like let's take Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the fairy tale sort of like thing, the fairy tale model Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a lot of Disney movies as a kid. Mm-hmm. That happily ever after shit was poison. Yeah, that shit is poison. Oh yeah, because and it's like, <laughs> and it's it's crazy says I because I really am a, a, like a positive person. I mean, I, I'm I I love being optimistic. Um, at least now I do. Thank you God <laughs> for the growth. But that happily ever after stuff that's some fucked up shit that's some fucked up shit because it'd be like yo she was and it's misogynistic inherently too. so misogynistic so let's let's go there first of all rags <laughs> stuck in the top of a castle being chained up so 
let's just let's do that. Uh, not to mention, as as a um, gay black boy watching Disney movies, it's it's gonna fuck you up in a whole nother way. Right, unless you get, unless you have it, I mean, unless you use your imagination. I mean, I let my, I made my, let my imagination run wild. With me. You don't think watching all these white people fall in love affects affects you? We um, only got, oh, we I'm only not got, it didn't at all. We only got how many, how many princesses we got? We got princess Tiana. and a frog, okay, and a frog, and we all. Well, I'm she a, couldn't even get a man. I'm gonna claim Lion King because it was such a black ass cast. That cast was the but bomb. But no, I know it was animals, and people are gonna be like, "Yeah, those black people are savages." Yeah, people can't be sad. Y'all, shut the fuck up. Lion King was the best Disney movie, huh? Yeah, I agree. It was the best. I mean, the best plot, the best writing, the best characters. Lion King probably has the most identifiable characters out of any Disney movie. I think what comes close, I think Aladdin comes close to having so many characters that people know and love. Aladdin has a lot of characters that people know and love. Mm -hmm. You know, but Lion King, I mean, we talking Mufasa. We're talking Scar. We're talking Nala, Simba. We're talking Sarabi. We're talking, we're talking the hyenas. We're talking Zazu. We're talking Timon and Pumbaa. Do you see how many characters? Rafiki. Rafiki! Exactly. Anyways, that's our tangent about that. But Disney movies will fuck you up. Because they'll have you thinking happily ever after in the back of your head and your subconscious. You get into a real relationship. You fall madly, deeply in love. And you have this very sort of, uh, I don't know, fan fantastical idea of what love is you find out you find out some shit don't you it don't go like that baby so but we do that we do that to our kids you know um you know i mean and i still love disney movies no no shade to disney but they do sort of paint a certain picture they do so just like the relationships that we sort of grow up in but back to but back to what I was saying, I think that I think that kids that grew up in a single parent home are, are a little bit more in touch with reality. Um, they are they grow up with learning certain skills yeah. that they can apply as an as an as an adult, and that they are basically they are a little bit more um, mentally secure and and stable with with so, being able to to navigate through the transition from childhood into adulthood so i'm i'm gonna say it really depends i grew up in a single parent household and because my mother was a single parent and because she was working her butt off to take care of me and my bro um there was a lot of sort of the nurturing conversations that we didn't get to have so that was not to my benefit mm -hmm. because she was so busy working. Um, we just all grew accustomed to kind of surviving mm -hmm. and making it. So it did build some independence in me, mm -hmm. um, but it also built a, 
Hmm. Maybe a pessimism. Because maybe, you know, if if I grew up and I saw my mom be single, right, and just work work her butt off and, you know, have her two kids and just kind of make it, you know, what if I think, oh, well, that's all there is to life. <laughs> yeah, but, but, I mean, it can affect the kid that way, too, is what I'm it saying. Can, it can go either way. And those so it really just depends is what I'm saying. True, but sometimes, I mean, I had those nurturing conversations, but however, those conversations... We're not actually geared towards nurturing me in, put it this way. <sighs> yes. The conversations were geared towards trying to change me and, and other people's perception of me. I don't think those me. are nurturing conversations. Those conversations were, but they were, they were disguised as that. Yeah. As how you should, how you should be. And, and, and that's and not, and that's not what I'm referring to. I'm not right. referring to, I'm talking about. Those conversations that teach you about how relationships work. No one ever... No. I've never had a conversation with an adult as a child, never once, about relationship. And, and it's because I talk to my nephew about relationship, right? Understanding what it means to relate to someone. Understanding that there's a purpose when someone's in your life. And there's lessons and, you know, understanding how to be kind and how to treat people the way you want to be treated. Understanding real relationship. Like, no one really ever had, like, those type of talks with me. Um, and I would have, it would have been great to have that guidance mm -hmm. as opposed to having to figure it out on my own after having such a distorted version of what love might be. However, that's still the same. I mean, but here's the th thing with that. Those same conversations that you're talking about right now, they do kind of apply because I had those conversations. But when we were having those kind of conversations, it was about she. The girl that you find should be, you should be this, that, and other to her. All that didn't apply to me. I knew that didn't apply right. to me. They knew that didn't apply to me, but they were trying to push that on me. So that was supposed to be the nurturing conversations about relationships. So, yeah. It, it was not. It didn't work for you because you obviously didn't have, and this is something that we a lot of us go through, right? Um, a lot of us go through when we're black and gay. We go through, um, not it's not everybody that gets kicked out of their home because they're black and gay. Some people, some families, just sort of tolerate it, and or or they treat it like it don't exist. And imagine what it's like for a kid to know that they're just being tolerated. Oh yeah. Oh, my oh God, yeah. That's a traumatic. That's and, traumatic. Well, by well, the people the that were supposed to love you. And your whole experience ends up sort of being kind of like dismissed almost yeah. because they're oh, yeah. trying to steadily treat you like you're interested in females right and they're kind of pushing that and they on know you. better and they're pushing that on you and that really is to make them more comfortable go deep no see okay uh welcome back we're the go deep no see podcast jazzy and coco here so i'm looking on google right and it says in 2020 so this is about two years ago nearly 19 million children amounting to 25% of all children in the U.S. were living in a single-parent family. 25%. 25%. One-fourth of our kids. Which is three times higher than 
it what it used to be in 1960. So single parent households are growing, you know, um, and one fourth of our kids are growing up in single parent households. Here's the thing, where the way that uh, I think it really does all tie in the educational benefits, um, the financial benefits of having two parent households, because I think that parents have better opportunities to be more attentive and um, and sort of be be more present in their children's lives and give them more guidance when there is a two two parent household. Okay, I grew up in a single parent household and let me tell you, I miss my mom a lot, you know, growing up as a kid. So, not to say that my mom wasn't there. I mean, I saw my mom, we we was we were, you know, I mean, she was always there, but she wasn't there like how most kids would be able to go home and have a parent there, you know. Me and my little bro was nah, it was always just us, you know. So, it would have been nice to have that. I never got to talk to my mom about how my day was. Put it like that. Right? It was that wasn't that wasn't like a thing that we really got to do. So I had to really figure out and navigate life um pretty much alone. Hmm. Well I mean sometimes it's not no different in a in a two parent home either. I never really talked to my parents about how my day was, ever. Really? No. That they is were so too, interesting. They were too wrapped up in, in, in the church and religion and the church. Those people got to talk to them about how their day was going. Oh. Those people got to talk to them. About, as a matter of fact, if those people ring the phone, they, then they, I had to take a back seat because they had to handle whatever with them. Oh, that's, a, they that's a whole episode right there. So, the experience of, of the preacher's kids. And people always say, you know, oh, talking about the pastor kids, the worst one. That. I de- that to me was always like one of the most I, w- I would get so frustrated when I hear that because I'm saying to myself y'all have no idea what it is to be a pastor's kid and y'all really would sit back and judge us and say oh we're the we're the we the bad ones we're the this we're the that nobody takes in consideration what we have to put up with in our childhood our childhood is just as traumatic if not worse and sometimes because we do get we do get pushed to the side. Right. We don't get only attention. My my brothers and them used to fight to get attention by being bad. The only time they ever got attention mm-hmm. was being bad. And I wasn't going to resort to that. So I really didn't get no attention like that. What did you resort to? You resorted to something. Oh, I, Every kid finds a way to get attention. Oh, I buried myself in art. I could do everything on my own. So I would sit and literally make an entire play. But but here's the beautiful part about what you're saying. Because what I hear is Coco Montrese was born out of that struggle. That's exactly what I'm hearing. You said I buried myself in art. That's what led you down the so you got something nice out of it. You yeah, just, I did, but I still didn't I still didn't as a child, I still did not get the attention that people think you get in a So how does that home. so how does that how did that affect your how does how did that affect your approach like with love as it relates to love because you didn't get enough attention. So I based the love off of what I saw when I first had my first few experiences with love. Mm-hmm. My first few experiences with love were I wasn't, I wasn't dating just to be dating, and it would be the next thing. No, I, I wanted what I, what I lived and what I saw. 
Yeah. And then like everything like I saw in the fairy tales that too. And 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 sometimes like my first were you but were you were you more clingy because you didn't get attention as a child um in in your first sort of approaches with love? Were you more clingy? Were you more um sensitive or um jealous if 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 no, someone did, was, like how did that affect you? I was I think I was I, I was naive. I was young and naive. I, be, I mean, I was naive because I thought everything was supposed to be like a fairy tale. But the, my first real experience with love, it was a fairy tale. He did. He came. It, he walked in. I was in choir rehearsal. He walked into the church. It was the first time we were going to ever spend the night together. He came in. Well, y'all was at the church. He came and in you to pick spend me up. The night together? No, he came to pick me up from choir rehearsal. I was a little bit younger than him, but he was. He was, he was older than me. Was it legal? Yeah, yeah, it was How old legal. were you? He had graduated. How old were you? He had graduated. How old were you? That's my question. <laughs> oh, you trying to skate around it? Ain't nobody gonna get you now. Tell the people. How old were you? Like 16, 17. It was not 16. legal. Well, he, well, how old was he? He had already finished high school. And how old was he? <laughs> Out of high school. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, let's boy. see. If I was 16, 17, 18, 19, he was like, like 19, 20. Okay. And um, it was it was everything you saw in a fairy tale. Literally everything you saw in a fairy tale. It was I was swept off my feet. I grabbed my bag. I ran out of the church, and I got in the car with him, and he <sighs> rode off into the sunset. I'm trying to think of a 16 year old. I was grown. And that's exactly why I know I would not like you. Because you know you were. What do you mean? You wasn't grown. You wasn't grown no 16 years old. I was grown. But you probably had that mindset. I was grown. I didn't, what do you mean that, you wouldn't have liked me? Oh, we wouldn't have been friends back then. Why not? Oh, no. We barely made it now. You. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Y'all get him. <laughs> you All right. Luckily, I'm on a different trajectory now because I would be going in right now. That's good. So I'm going to leave that alone. But yeah, I mean, it was. You don't like, have to leave that alone. Literally, cooked me dinner, cooked me dinner, took me back to his condo, mm-hmm. cooked me dinner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I sat in his lap at the dining table and he fed me. We were in love. It was the most beautiful. Thing. Now, I ain't going to say everything we did after that, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful. <sighs> it was it was so romantic. This so, story so my, makes me cringe. Why? <laughs> you sat in his lap and he fed you? Fed me. Like a fucking baby? No, he made dinner for me. It was, it was, it was one of the sweetest things. It was beautiful. Right. Now, I don't know if he was doing it just to get in my pants, but... It, he didn't have to do that to get in your pants, I'm sure. But... No, I'm saying he did it out of out of. <laughs> he did it out of. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next. Uh, what? But, but I said all that to say this. Yes. It's what I expected and what I believed in, and when that came crashing down, um, I did not know how to handle that as an adult because I believed that that's what it was supposed to be. I mimicked what I saw with my parents. I mimicked what I saw on TV, the Disney movies and all that. 
yeah. thinking that that was the way it was going to be, and that was not. Well, when did you find out that that's not what it was? Um, what was the moment that he, you realized, okay, this isn't when, the fantasy that I thought I was living in? When him and I um, broke up, because they never show breakups in Disney movies, and I never saw a breakup before. They never show breakups. Why did y'all break up? Uh, is he, this the same one that uh, that cheated? Yeah. No, no, no. That was that was that was, that a, different was a different one. This is the one, the other one, the very first. The one that left you because of your career. Yes. Um. Oh, I see. I see. Yes. Yeah, and I, I mean, and, also, and the career was just developing, so it was not even like. Well, yeah, because I think, in a lot of these fairy tales, though. Well, back then it was not. If drag queens were not. You, well, no, I'm just saying men didn't date that. <laughs> but even did women date drag queens? No, nobody did. Drag Our drag friend drag. did. Everybody. We did. have a good friend. We have a good cisgender woman friend who loved her some men, and she don't give a fuck if they was gay, bi, straight. She don't care. I love her. Yeah, I love her too. Anyways, um, but let's let's go and come back and get more into um your business. About we gonna get in your business too, cause you is not giving no business. I'm not. Well, you gonna? Have, I mean, what you wanna? We'll come right back. We'll go deep, no sleep, Jazzy Coco. Go deep, no sleep. All right. Hello there. We're back with the Go Deep No Sleep podcast. Jazzy and Coco. <laughs> And um, during the break, Coco said she wanted to ask me a question. No, I did say I was going to ask you a question. Okay. Okay. How did your childhood um, affect your perception of love? How did my childhood affect my perception of love? That's the question. Um, Okay. So... My, first of all, okay, I'm, I'm going to start with my mom. My mom was a single parent. She had two kids. I was a big bro, okay? So with my mom, I, I kind of grew up, the way I perceived our relationship, I kind of grew up like her husband, you know, almost like her partner in the household, um, you know, her her right hand, if you will, you know, um, but I really did. I was like, a, I felt like a house husband <laughs> as a kid. I kind of did. Um, because I had to take care of my little brother. My mom was working her butt off, doing her thing. So um, so for me, uh, I, learned, I learned how to be a, a helper. I learned how to, um, you know, be other-centered very early in my life. Um, which, you know, later became overgiving, right? Because, you know, you grow up thinking that this is the way you love, this is the way relationships work, for me at least, and, um, and then you kind of just do that regardless if a person deserves it or not, because it just be, it's just a who you are, right? And, you know, that ended up being toxic. And something I had to find a lot of balance in later in life. So that's one. My little brother, um, me having to take care of him, um, I was giving love and you know guidance and nourishment, if you will, or whatever, 
um, and attention to someone who couldn't necessarily give it back because he was little bro, right? You know, I was helping him with his homework. He wasn't helping me with mine's, you know, that type of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I was cooking for him. He wasn't cooking for me, right? So there was a bit of a one-sidedness to our relationship. Um, I think that also had a lot to do with how I became an overgiver. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, because that was another uh, version of love in my life where I felt like I had to give myself and I didn't expect to get back. You know, So later in life, as an adult, I had to figure out what that balance was. I didn't even realize I was out of balance. You know, I was just being who I was, you know? Um, so those are two ways. Mm. Those are two ways. Yeah. You know? Then also, my father, you know, I... So I met my father when I was 24. Um, but th the very first time I met him, I was actually four. Okay? And... We made plans to hang out, and he was going to bring me some things. I think I asked for some skates and some chips, real talk. <laughs> and I never saw him again until 20 years later. And my father was a musician in a vocal group, just like me. And I think what that taught me was that relationship or love might not be possible with career with success because I saw my mom have success in no relationship. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not to say that my mom didn't, you know, date and have, she had boyfriends and, you know, but um, my mom was an independent, powerful woman. And uh, I think it was, I think it was hard, uh, you know, for her having two kids, being so busy, you know, doing her thing, working, she had her own house, all these cars, whatever. And um, I think it was hard, you know, hard for her to date, to be, to be quite honest. You know, but then I also saw my father um, not have a relationship with me because what I perceived at the time, you know, him gone doing, doing his other thing, doing his own thing, uh, later came to find out he was a musician. You know, I didn't even know he was a musician the whole time I had been doing music. Mm. I didn't even know. Uh, but later in life found out he had been doing music with his group the whole time. And so I think that kind of taught me um, that maybe love and success wasn't, wasn't really that, you know, mm -hmm. easy to achieve together. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't really see an example of that. I saw, you know, I saw people being successful, um, but I saw that being so time consuming that, you know, there wasn't really... Any room for anything else. So, you know, that affected me, too. I mean, so all that shit affected me. Mm. All that shit affected me, you know. Um, but, you know, I think relationships are about teaching you these things. Mm. I, think, I think we're supposed to have these relationships, you know, whether it's a one-week-long relationship or a year-long relationship or 10 years. I think that we're supposed to have these experiences, um, to sh because they show us who we are. You know, when we attract a certain person in, they are a reflection of us in some sort of way, or a mirroring of an experience that we are recreating, a toxicity, 
that that we are attracting in. You know, if you grow up in a toxic home, sometimes you right because it's just a frequency. It's just something that you're used to just sort of swimming in. And so you naturally gravitate towards those same same spaces and types of people. Well, I mean, I mean, for me it was different. I grew up in a home where they thought everything. They thought that they were doing the right thing. They thought in everything they were doing, they were doing the right thing. Nobody, everybody didn't was not. You know, they didn't think, oh, you know, we're being naive. No, they thought this is the right thing to do, and we are raising this kid the way. He should be raised, and this is how things are supposed to be. Clearly, yeah. I mean, and and they're not alive to this day, but I mean, of course, it's painful. You don't want to tell tell them. Yeah, it it wasn't, it wasn't. It you don't want to do that, but at the same time, you can't. You you got to live in your truth, and right. and not saying that they were horrible people at all. They right, were not horrible people. Um, but uh, the way, the way that I was raised and the things that I was taught to believe and and the the um, the promotion of and people could say, no, that was not their intention. It was not their intention, of course not. But the level of self hate, right, that the speech mm-hmm. was giving. Mm-hmm from a speech or from a place yeah. that says that it's all about love is very conflicting for a child because you're they're speaking love but the the level of self-hate is just growing and right. growing over years and years and yes. years and you don't realize that everything that you've said has affected them to that degree. Right. I still to this day and I dread it and the reason I do not go back to organized religion and go back to the church like that is because the last thing I remember, and I remember this as a little kid, mm-hmm. I remember the manipulation they would use when some young person would die in the church and how they would manipulate your thoughts and how you felt using someone's death to scare you into believing what they believe and 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 what the road your life is supposed to go down because they would scare you and say that this is going to happen to you if you don't do xyz and to me you're that talking is about you're, you're talking about the whole you know no one the altar calls at funerals yeah, and the, stuff like that okay just, so that's that's definitely a much deeper i think so that's dramatic <laughs> so traumatic for kids. It's traumatic for kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand that, and I think I think there is a space where there's honest intention in there. But there I think is, but it's, so. It's I think I, that's a nuanced thing because here's the thing: um, it it depends on what you believe, right? Because in order to have this conversation, you first of all have to have a certain common ground about like. Because if you don't believe in it, then you don't believe in it. Then the conversation is over. And that's the thing. So I that's believe in so. God. I believe in God. I believe in right. In but this, but this, but they're preaching from the Bible, and 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 this is what here's a, here's the thing. This is what this is what they believe now. So they're going. They're going so to. Much. It changes according to the person, because like yes, like, as everything does. Somebody would say, okay, if my parents died at a young age. 
oh my God, they were amazing. They did uh, they did the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. Now they've been called home to do the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. Let another person die, same age as my parents, who didn't, for face value, show you that, oh, I'm in the church, or I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I did this, and I feed the hungry, and I did this, and other. They're mm-hmm. not showing you all that up front, but they're doing that. That person can sprawl out in the middle of the church, and they will say, see, he died at a young age. He must have not been doing this right. He must have been doing that no. right. And I said to myself, well, well who wait a minute, says that? Oh, they do that in the church. We okay, cannot. I haven't, uh, let, me, let me be honest. I've been to quite a bit of funerals, unfortunately, but I have been to many of them. I've never heard that rhetoric. Oh wow. I've honestly I've never have. Now what I have heard is, you know, someone passes, right? And if it is a younger person, I have heard it brought up in a regardless of uh sexuality or anything like that, you know, but I have heard, you know, age used as a hey, we don't know, you know, what happens tomorrow, right? And so If you are out of alignment with the Holy Spirit, here's a chance for you to get back in realignment. And yes, they are using that moment and the emotions of that moment to get people to understand how severe it is to be out of alignment. So that's why I say there is some genuine intention in there, and I don't want to blanket blanket statement because... I'm sure what you're saying happens a lot, but I, let me tell you something. Shout outs to Greater Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church. Now, I ain't, I'm not saying that my church is, was perfect or anything like that. You know, I, I don't think that any church can be perfect because people are imperfect and, and the church is made of people. So I don't think that it can be perfect, but what I will say is, when that would happen at the funerals that I went to, it was a genuine, it was a genuine moment. And the people that went up, I'm not so sure if they were manipulated into going up because they were sad, and 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 the and the pastor or the preacher got to them in a moment when they were sad. Honestly, most of the time, these people know they need to go up there. They come, they already got their mind made up before they get there. They know in the back, in the back, in the back of their hearts, <laughs> they know. You know what? I'm not gonna even. I. So I think there's some genuine intention in there. But do people use it to manipulate to to push their own narratives? Absolutely. I think, I, you know, I don't do black and whites. I don't do black and whites. Well, you have something to say. Well, you're on a podcast, so you should respond. I know my experience. I know my experience. And yeah. I've, I've been in the church. There's since nothing I, wrong with I've that. I've been in the church since I was four days old. Yeah. As, as most, I know as what most I of us have. I know what I experienced as a child. Right. Traumatic as, as it was. I know what I experienced as a child. And, and I'm not invalidating and, that. And, you do know that, right? And and okay. I've gone back and I've seen it still being done to these to these kids. And so many of them... Yeah. Have have chosen lives other than the ones that they are true to, just to suffice these people and make these people feel good about who they are, and that to me is that to me that's a worse crime. That to me is a worse crime mm-hmm. to to inflict that upon a child and not let a child make their own decisions because you feel uncomfortable. That is one of the most 
heinous crimes but, to me against kids. But I think that happens in everyday life. Um, if if that's happening in, in a kid's environment, then that's happening, and I and I think that's horrible. You know, all I'm saying is, I'm I'm not going to say that every pastor out there that I I didn't say it. I well, I, and so I just wanted to speak for the ones that have genuine intention in that. That was all. I didn't mean to say that you were wrong or that your experience didn't happen and still doesn't. I'm sure it still happens. I say that in full confidence, you know, but there are cases where that happens at a funeral because it is a moment where people come into the church, right, who haven't been there for a long time or maybe never been there. And it is a moment for if they want to, if they decide that it's the best thing for them to do, it gives them an opportunity to do that. They don't have to, and they shouldn't have to, because everyone's on their own journey, on their own path. You know, God's going to talk to everybody. I mean, God's going to get through to everybody somehow, <laughs> some type of way, you know, and it ain't got to be an organized religion. Okay, but I'm just saying, you know, I, I but I, I understand what you're saying, too. I'm just saying it doesn't always happen that way. But it doesn't mean that what you went through didn't happen. I'm, I know it does. Are you still in pain by that? Oh, I'm not in pain by it at all. Oh, okay. I'm not in pain by it at all. But I'm, I, I do feel something for all those kids yeah. that grew up behind me that are, are, still, are going still going through it. Through it. Yeah. And then they, they get a glimpse of me and they see me and they have to sneak and say to me how much they admire the fact that I got out. Because they're not allowed to out, talk to you when you I, go back. Exactly. And I've yeah. become successful and I've done what they all dream of doing. No kid should ever have to live like that. And I think it's 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 so um, self-serving. It's so self-serving to be that manipulative and try to control a young person's life. It's just, it's, it's, it's wrong. It's wrong mm -hmm. on so many levels. It's just, ugh. I, so, tying this back into the bigger topic. Those kids, some of those kids, back to the topic of love and them learning how to love in relationships. No, just go to you because you dealt with it yourself. How did that affect your approach to love, like, in your adulthood? <clears throat> I, I... Feeling that shame and, and... I had attached a really, really... I attached a really big um, amount of love with acceptance. You, you, if you accepted me the way I was, you probably had a ninety-nine point nine 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 chance of earning my love, because to not and it and some people earned my love from accepting me, but they shouldn't have had my love. Those people shouldn't have had my love. But because of what I had gone through. The acceptance the, was the most important thing. The acceptance thing. was more important than anything else to me. And it. And it, it Is acceptance still that important to you? No. What's the most all. important thing to you in love now? The most important thing to me in love now? Mm -hmm. You know, as a, young, as a young adult, it was I acceptance. Say, but I what won't is say it? understanding me. I will say um, the having the capacity to want to understand me 
because it doesn't mean that you, I mean, everybody's not going to understand you, but if you, you're saying the willingness. Yeah. You, you we had a conversation on the talking shit podcast. Remember willingness versus capacity. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to, I'm not saying you have to automatically be like, Oh my God, you know, no, you have to be willing to mm-hmm. want to know me, want to know what makes me tick. If you, if that's who you are to me, you will earn the most. Are you willing to do love. the same? Yeah. Cause, absolutely. And the only reason I ask that is because a lot of people who are um, so traumatized um, kind of end up like inherently being sometimes consumed with their trauma that they're unaware of other people's. You know what I mean? I've, I've, I've been that person before. So there's no shade to anybody who does that. But you know what I mean? Like, and sometimes those the people that wants to be given to uh, because they feel a lack, they forget to kind of give in that way <laughs> themselves. So now, are you I, are you are do you find yourself to be that person that you want people I to be for give, you? I want I want to give people the same thing that they they that I'm expecting them to give me. Right. A lot of times though, you, people. People are willing to do that for you, but then if you do that for them, it's it's strange to them. It's it's foreign to them, and then they don't really receive it. It's like, well, why are you, why are you acting like that with me? Or well, why are you put it on the mic? Why are you acting like that with me? Why are you trying? You know. What do you mean? Why it, are you being nice? Why? Yeah. Why are you being? Why do you act like you want to know so much about? No, because I do. I wouldn't ask if I don't. To be honest with you, I'm not a. I, I I won't ask you nothing if I don't want to really know. So, so how do you handle those people who react that way when you, I mean, because you you are, you you've already said you understood, you know, why a person might be in a space where they don't really where they kind of reject that positivity because they're not used to it. They're not used to it. So do you stop or do you continue to give it to them? I'm just curious. be interesting go ahead <laughs> do i stop or do i continue to give it to them mm-hmm. um i try to find other ways to to actually get give them that or get them to that point but you but, don't stop right away no i don't stop i don't stop but i don't i mean i don't try to give it to them the same way again i i try to find other ways around about it to, to do it I mean, my mine comes through many different things. Um, no, I'm. A, I mean, I'm. I'm also a very, very giving person. So I will. I mean, I will give. I will do whatever. If if I love you, we'll make whatever work. It could sound like the most far fetched thing that you want to accomplish in life and want to happen. And I'm, and that's a fault for me because I'm very giving too, like you. I've yeah. given to people who have given me their ass to kiss, and I'm fine with that. I'm like, shit happens. No love lost. I mean, but I did what I could do, and I, I'm, I don't regret it. So I let just me don't. let me ask you this before we go to a quick break. Um, is there any way that your experience as a child still affects the way you love now? Oh, yeah. Name, just give me one. You ain't got to go down a, a big affects. old list. Just give me one one example of how your childhood still affects you right now, today, whatever today is. <laughs> the love that I, 
the love that I craved um, as a child, because I did get love. And that's not a mistake. I'm like, it wasn't like my parents weren't loving. I did get love, but the kind of love that I needed, mm-hmm. the kind of love and attention that I needed, I did not. Do you receive. still crave that now? Um, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. So the question was: Name one way. I don't crave. I don't crave it now. But I. I give. I give what I feel like I should have gotten. If that makes sense. It I does. Give. So are you? But are you giving to get what you should have gotten? No, because I. I realized a long time ago you're not gonna get you. You're not gonna get that back. You're. I mean, no. I mean, you're not gonna get. Not in the same form of what you give. People are not going to. People have people have their own ways of doing doing yeah. these things. So you don't you don't expect. Do you recognize that maybe you're given to in ways that you don't give back? Oh yeah. 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 Because that I think that goes. That's a two way street, probably right. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, we both have examples of that in our own lives, you know, where what we bring to the table is not necessarily what the other party brings to the table. But what the other party brings to the table is not necessarily what we bring to the table. And when you combine those two parties, like you and your husband, for instance, you get a powerhouse situation. You get a very dope, structured, fun, uh, well-rounded type of dope thing. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to all fun, no structure. Or as opposed to all structure, no fun. You get what I'm saying? So I think, you know, that's the beauty of people to a, to a degree. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to know if, if, you, if you felt that way. It's just, well, it's different when you have, I mean... They speak about love languages, and, uh-huh. and people, it's it's different sometimes when you have a lo- certain love language, yeah, and and you accept other people's love language, you know, if they say, oh, this is my way of showing you I love you by doing X Y Z, but then when you and you, it they don't turn in turn allow you to have your love language and allow you to, um, express your love the way yeah. you express your love, then it becomes. Okay, well then, what can I give? Because that's how I love. I don't. I and then they go, no, I don't accept that. I don't like that. Okay, I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't like parties, or I don't like this, or I don't. I don't want to be surprised. I don't want to be this and other. And you're like, well, okay, well then. Okay, that's actually really good. So let's take a pause on that and come back with love languages. Can we do that? I think that's pretty good. I think you led us into our next segment, ladies and gentlemen. Jazzy and Coco on the Go Deep No Sleep podcast. We'll be right. Back. Go deep, no sleep. All right. Go deep, no sleep. Jazzy Coco. Um, right before we went to break, you segued into something quite naturally, and I think is um very useful to this conversation because in our childhoods, I think our love languages uh, play a big part in our perception of the love that we received, right? Because our parents had love languages too, right? And they were giving love the best way they knew how. But depending on the child, um, you know, their perception of love or whatever their love language is, is, it's going to play a big role on if they felt loved or not. 
true. It is true. So, what's your love language? Tell the people. Um, my love language is. Do you know all of them? Should we go all? Let's let's list them real fast before you name yours. So there's words of affirmation, right? Mm -hmm. There are acts of service. Mm -hmm. There's gifts, gift giving. Um, there is quality time. And there is affection, physical touch. Those mm -hmm. are the five. I believe those are the five. If there are more, I don't know them. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think those are the ones. So which one of those re resonates with you? Um, gift giving. Gift giving. Gift giving for me. Um, and it's so weird because sometimes it gets, it's, it's uh, mis misunderstood or misperceived um, as if, oh, you're giving this, you're giving that, you're giving this, you're eventually going to want something back. Because people are always taught that. Kids are always taught that too, um, that eventually someone is going to want something back from you if they if they give you something like you're giving in your intent the intentions of giving is because either they want something in return or they you know are expecting something in return so you're saying you you give you give gifts but you don't necessarily need that back in return no so that's no. that's sort of the love language like and and that's the love you do but how do you receive love like how do you interpret love how do you like to receive it? Do you like to receive love through gifts, or do you like to receive love through something through through another love language more oh, I prominently? I don't like to receive um, gift. I I mean, I don't like to receive gifts. It's not like oh, I need to have gifts. So what do you like? Um, Words of affirmation, phys physical, physical touch. touch, a hug. Uh, it, those those things for me, like I, those are affirmations for me. I don't need words. Words of affirmation for me help, but to me, it's just it means more if someone hugs you or someone. That to me goes way further than. Now, does that have a lot to do with your childhood? Did you get enough hugs as a kid? Be honest. Um. No. <laughs> no. Why you say it like that? Okay. No, because I'm just trying. You're thinking about it. Yeah, I'm like, because I don't want to let there. I mean, they've passed away. I don't want to. No, we're um, not talking. Misrepresent. No, no, no. Them. We're not. No, we're not doing that. Um, but you're entitled to what your experience was as a kid. So. And they may have thought they 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 they, they did enough or they gave enough um, mm -hmm. when it comes to that. Yeah. But. Um, no, 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 not at all. Um, I don't know if it was post. It was not done because it was gonna. They felt it would be misperceived, or how. Maybe they were trying to toughen you up, quote yeah. unquote. You know that whole thing, right? Don't yeah. want to be soft on you because they thought maybe you was already too soft. Yeah, that could have some shit to do with it, you know. But what for whatever reason it happened, and that plays a part in what your love language is now, right? And how you like to receive love, mm -hmm. right? So, but I thought that their love—I mean, because they did not get their love through through um, physical touch. How did you get their love? Um, gifts. Gifts. I knew it. 
<laughs> Give. So yeah, because because what you do is what you saw them do, you know. Yeah, but gifts. it's gifts with the, yeah, yeah. The, that's so, how I show you I love you. Yeah. Oh, but but for me it's a little bit deeper now. My, my when it comes to my love language, is your anything that will fuel your success, anything that will fuel you having all the things that you want out of life. Yeah. Are things that I go out of my way to try to provide for somebody that I love. And there's like no limit to it. For yeah. Me. There's no limit to it for me. You said that's what you want. That's it sounds like a big thing, but to me it's just like, okay, we can get we can achieve that. We'll 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 just achieve it. And, and it's, it's not achieving it for I don't I don't want to achieve it for so I can say, look what I did for you. I hate that to me. Right. I hate because I think that when people do that, their intentions were so not pure. Right. You it, it, even if you're angry or you get mad or you get, I mean we we can't talk about it on camera, but you talk about what other situations that we've you know that I've encountered and you've been there while I've encountered them. Okay. And I I get angry, I get mad, and I still never get angry or mad at the fact of everything I've given that person you know what i mean well i don't care about that I don't, I don't well here's the thing i don't think that you do directly but i think you do indirectly i think it does weigh on you sometimes when you've poured into someone's life and you feel like they you know have a disloyal moment or they do something that you feel is, you know... But I be, never in my mind say, oh, I, I want to take back you everything never I did conscious, No, no, no. Yeah. It's not that you want to take it back, but the fact that you have done so much for a particular person, it does add to your hurt. Yes, it does. It does, it does matter, just not directly and not in more of an ego way, in more of a, you know, hey, I thought that we were this or that, you know. Um, so I think it does play a part. Um, but I think that's interesting. So your love language is, um, what you like to do is give gifts. That's how you sort of show you love someone and mm -hmm. how you like to be shown is through physical touch. Sound like you just going to need to buy yourself a hoe. No, no, no. When I say physical touch, I I'm not, I'm, no, I I'm not joking. meaning in a sexual way. I was joking. Um, not even in a sexual I, way. I know. Oh, okay. Cause I know we, we know. We know you are not a whore. You are. Oh no, I might be. You are not a whore. You are an. You are an innocent. <laughs> so, what's your love language? <laughs> Why you over here? Oh boy, um, my love language is how I give love. Words of affirmation. Um, for sure. Words. Um, uplifting someone, encouraging someone, um, empowering somebody, um, relating. Um, you know, being a sounding board, a listening ear. Um, coaching usually ends up happening. But words are a big part of my ministry <laughs> so that would be how i give it first and foremost um how i like to receive it 
Words. <laughs> to be honest. Words. Yeah. Words. I think, you know, I understand the the power of it. The power of um posit- positivity coming out of your mouth. Like it's there's actually magic to it. Like that's a manifestation tool when you speak it, you know? So there's power in that. There's there's so much power that's like right right in front of you um that you don't really acknowledge not you but that we don't acknowledge um but when you when you speak it i mean you speak positivity into someone's life um that's a that's a blessing that's like a um it's a powerful thing you know it can uplift someone it could change someone's mood it could help them see um you know, a better perspective. Um, it literally can make someone's life better. So understanding just just the the influence and power of that, you know, I think it's pretty special. And um, and I like the same. I do like the same. I would say the quality time, probably, besides words for me, quality time is really important because it's, it's not about um, what we're doing. It's just the, you know, the level of attention in that moment, um, the level of focus on one another, the how in sync we are, the, the chemistry, the vibe, if you will. That's really important to me. Um, we got to be able to kick it, if you want to be with me. Kick, I mean kick it. If you want to bounce around every fucking day, I'm too old for you. <laughs> I'm just, I just am. That's fine. Go bounce it around. Go find somebody to bounce around with. You know, in my twenties, I was that person. Um, so, but quality time, and and I like to get out. You know, I like nature and I like doing fun things. But I also like, you know, I like kicking it at the fucking house. So, you know, but just quality time. That's really important. You know, um, so th- that would be, you know. And I think that comes from my childhood, actually, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you said you needed touch, right? And I said, did you feel like you got, you got enough of that as a child? And you said no. Ask me the same, and I would say no. I did not get enough quality time from my mom because she had to work. It's no fault of her own. She had to do what she had to do, you mm-hmm. know? But I, as a kid, still wanted more time. Um, also words of affirmation. I needed, I was constantly being teased for this and that and being made to feel shame for being gay. And I didn't even realize that that was the case. People was clowning me for shit. I didn't even realize what was going on. Like, but words of affirmation would have gone a long way, right? Mm -hmm. In those moments. So those two things for me now, even as an adult, still make me feel like, you know, okay, there's love there. So that's why, you know, so our childhood plays a big part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's totally there. We're going to go and come back with our last thoughts. Um, This is Jazzy and Coco on the Go Deep No Sleep podcast. Go Deep No Sleep. All right, back. Go Deep No Sleep. Jazzy, Coco, we in this thing. We've been talking childhood, 
how it plays a part in the way we love, in the way we approach love, receive love, give love. We went over a couple of love languages and shit. So I don't know where we want to leave them, Coco. What's your what's your last little thought on this? I think that um, parents should be more careful with um, what they're indirectly teaching their kids by not only what they see, but also by the way they are treated by them. They need to be um, very careful because every every little um, thing they do during their childhood um, sets them up for their adult life. Okay, so I... I I like that because you're talking about awareness, and I'm I'm gonna always be a champion for awareness. Um, but in also in the spirit of awareness, I have to acknowledge that the parents are people too, and they may they may not understand things until they understand things. Like, what if what if they're just doing the best that they can and they're loving their child the way they know how, and they just so happen to. <laughs> not be getting through that child. It's just one of those things. So, and it doesn't take the responsibility out of the parents' hands because, um, you know, the child is their responsibility, ultimately. Um, I just want to give the parent a tiny bit of little wiggle room because they are human beings, too, trying to figure it out. You know, I had to forgive my parents for what I thought they should have done better when I was a kid, you know. I had to do that because I had to say... Once I got to a particular age where this would have been around a time when I would have been a little child, right, for them, um, if they were my age now, um, there's a lot of things that I understand now that I didn't understand as a kid. So um, of being an adult, of just adulting um, and just everything that comes with that and and how um, as a kid... I might have been just more consumed with what I was lacking, not taking into account that life was actually happening to these adults, you know? Um, so I just want to give parents a little wiggle room because sometimes they're just doing the best that they can. Um, and they make mistakes, you know? I mean, they're people. They need grace. Like, we need grace. We, we, you know, even with all this knowledge that we have, we still make mistakes, don't we? I mean, so it's like, if you had a kid, you wouldn't have done everything perfect. <laughs> that kid might have been, might have had a couple of scars from your ass because you hadn't healed from shit that you had gone through in your childhood. So I'm just saying, so it's the same thing. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if you, how old were, how old were your parents when, when you were born? Do you know? No, I don't. I, no. I didn't even try to figure that out. Well, how how many years are you apart from your parents? You don't know? I have no idea. You don't know? Um, because I, I wonder, I for me, it's like my mom was in her late 20s. So, you know, I, I take myself back to my late 20s and I think about, like, where I was. And if I would have had a child at that moment. <laughs> at that moment. And I got to give my mom a lot of props. You know what I'm saying? Because I just... I could not have done that, you know. Um, but props to everybody who has, you know. My parents were probably in their thirties. Probably in their thirties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were probably in their thirties. Yeah. But back to what you said, though, because 
I didn't mean to take such a long branch away from your point because your point is still valid, right? Parents do need to be careful, right? Mm-hmm. That still stands. There's, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. I, parents do need to be careful. And they do, they do need to be mindful of what they're teaching their kids and what they're not teaching their kids. <laughs> do better. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's not that easy to being a parent. You know, and um, it, even me being an uncle to an amazing kid, um, you know, I I see the nuances of teaching a, a young person how to, you know, do the right thing, you know, and, and it's it's not as um, straightforward as I guess we can talk about it in hindsight, like in the moment, you know, when life is going on. And you still got your own triggers, and you're not a perfect person, and you're still trying to figure out your own shit. Yeah, your kids, you know, hey, they're going to get the best they can out of you. They, or well, the best you have. Well, just keep in mind, they didn't ask to be here. Nor did you, though. But I was here, and I decided to bring somebody else into this world. So that's a little bit different. I may have not asked to be here, but I'm here, and then I brought another life. But you were here, though, because you were meant to be here. You were here because there was a purpose. So that had to happen. Okay. That had to happen. And what you went through, and then this is how we really come to terms with our childhood, because it's you take what you went through, and you, you, I mean, the science of how you became what you became, it doesn't happen without the struggle. It doesn't happen without the misunderstandings. It doesn't happen without the persecution. It doesn't happen without the fear. Because you needed, you needed to overcome all of that to be as powerful and dope as you are now. And then now look, now you inspire other people to be as fearless as you are. That did not come without your own set of struggles. Regardless of what people think, they might think your life is easy, but it wasn't, right? So, but that's how we come to terms with the shit that's happened to us because we use that pain, turn it into what the pastor say, what the devil meant for evil, God. The dramatics. <laughs> oh, you're just as dramatic. You don't realize okay. that. <laughs> ah, ah, the drama of the church, but that's a part of. Ooh. It's a part of what? You. You're drama. You're d- very dramatic. You're v- extremely dramatic. You're probably the most dramatic person I know. Uh, d- no shade, but people love you for that. People love you for, I mean. You put this you, in your closing. You, you put you this in remember, your closing statement. You remember the clip? Do you remember the clip? I'm too much. I'm too much. And I know I'm a lot. Yeah, you put drama, 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 drama. And people loved you for it. So, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's funny how you'll, so, re- you'll recognize in the church won't recognize in yourself, though. What do you mean I'm recognizing in myself? I'm the one that said I'm too much. Well, yeah, but when we talked about being dramatic, you said the church is dramatic. And like, you're not dramatic. You are dramatic, my friend. Oh, yes, you are. But we love you for it because that's who you are. My closing statement is... <laughs> um, be aware of these things. I'm I'm not really going to say what people should do with it. I am. you know because every that's fine. No, I, I'm not. I mean, everyone's on a journey and they'll they'll grow as they grow. 
um, you know, in their own way. And however, whenever they do that, whenever it happens is when it happens for them. But I'll just say um, the, the faster you are to be aware of why you think and do the way that you do, um, it, it, the faster you are, the more self-love, right? Because you get to understand yourself more. Um, the faster you are to being honest in your relationships about what you need and want in order to be satisfied, right? Um, so it makes your life better, you know, that awareness. And then also, as you become more aware of you, you become more aware of other people. So then that brings in more compassion and consideration for everyone else around you. So it really does improve your life. Um, so just awareness. I, I don't think I need to say do this or that with it, you know, but I think the childhood stuff for people who are a little afraid to go back there and sort of deal with whatever hurt is still there, it would be great to do that because you'll get to understand how it affects you now. And, you know, you'll naturally make adjustments as you have more understandings about how it affects you for sure. You know, so that would be the last thing that I would want to leave people with. All right. So, okay. Go Deep No Sleep LV on the Instagram. GoDeepNoSleep.com uh, for the merchandise store. Anchor.fm. Go listen to us there. They got a support donate button on there. And you can donate a dollar, $5, or $10 to the podcast on a monthly basis. And you can help us out so we can continue to grow and improve. You see, we got the lights. Hopefully, the lights are nicer this time. And hopefully, the angle is just right this time. <laughs> so, And hopefully, the sound is better. So we, we are trying to make strides. But anyways, if you want to donate, you can do that. Anchor.fm. Of course, you can listen to a Spotify. Blah, 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 blah. Tell everybody, though. Tell a friend and share this shit. Don't just listen to it all, all this long. If you've gotten this far in the episode, then that means that we've done okay. <laughs> Unless the motherfuckers skim through. I forgot. They could just fast forward. Huh? But anyways, we love you for listening, and uh, we'll see you on the next round. Thank you so much. This is the Go Deep No Sleep Podcast. Boop. Go Deep No Sleep.